everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm happy that you found me, but more importantly, friends, I'm thrilled that you have found Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. As we journey together, we will be unleashing discoveries of how to turn hearts of stone into ones of moldable clay for the potter Jesus to transform. So hopefully, friends, you're going to join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, we'll delve into my mailbag answering questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, as we enter into God's presence today, allow me to speak a blessing over your life. Now, this comes from Moses's brother, who was priest Aaron, and he gives us this blessing in the form of a benediction. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Well, welcome back. Yesterday, we explored emotions through the lens of various attributes. Specifically, we explored emotions and how they sometimes cause us to forget facts about God. Next, we made a case for avoiding rash promises in the heat of our emotions, and the scribe, Ezra, showed us how to worship through our emotions. And finally, we ended with Job and John teaching us not to be afraid of our emotions. So today, we're diving back into our discussion around false prophets. Previously, we looked at heresies in John's day, and he encountered false teachings. From this study, it's become abundantly clear that the Bible provides a plethora of information pertaining to focusing on others rather than God. Well, false teachers compare themselves to others often rather than to God. Immediately in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, Paul defends his authority. He says, oh, don't worry. I wouldn't dare say that I'm as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are, but they are only comparing themselves with each other and measuring themselves by themselves. What foolishness. But we will not boast of authority we do not have. Our goal is to stay within the boundaries of God's plan for us, and this plan includes our working there with you. The Apostle Paul began by criticizing the false teachers who were trying to prove their goodness by comparing themselves with others rather than comparing themselves to God's standards. You see, when we compare ourselves with others, we may feel proud because we think we're better. But when we measure ourselves against the standard of God, it becomes obvious that we have no basis for pride. We shouldn't worry about the accomplishments of others. When we compare ourselves and move out of our lane into someone else's, we only set ourselves up for failure. The question we must ask ourselves is, how is my life measuring and stacking up to what God wants? And importantly, how does my life measure up to that of Jesus's life? 
Oftentimes, we won't use this as a measurement because we're convinced that because we are not perfect in our Christian walk, we're somehow exempt from even giving ourselves a scorecard. So Paul then looks at many false teachers who seem to make sense when you first hear them. But the Apostle Paul would point out a lack of discernment among the Corinthians. In chapter 11, verses 3 and 4, Paul had this to say as a warning, But I fear that somehow you will be led away from your pure and simple devotion to Christ, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent. You seem to believe whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach about a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel in the one you believed. You see, the Corinthian believers were notorious for falling for smooth-talking teachers and messages that sounded somewhat good and even logical. From this, we learn not to believe everyone because they sound like an authority figure or a subject matter expert. We must never listen to a preacher who contradicts the word of God. And false teachers tell people only what they want to hear. They were and they continue to be today only interested in making money rather than teaching truth and serving God. We also learn of instances where they would twist Jesus's teachings and that of his apostles. These very teachers would belittle the significance of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. Some of these teachers claim that Jesus couldn't be God. Others claimed he couldn't have been a real man. These teachers allowed and even encouraged all kinds of immorality, especially sexual sin. Today, we can avoid false teachers by being mindful of the books, CDs, television series we watch and listen to as we evaluate them in the light of God's word. False teachers distort the truth about Jesus and ended up preaching a different Jesus and a different spirit other than the Holy Spirit, as well as a different means to salvation. Paul had his work cut out for him. He authored the book of Galatians in an attempt to refute the Judaizers who taught that Gentile believers must obey the Jewish law in order to be saved and to call Christians to faith and freedom in Christ. Listen to what Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 4, verse 17. Those false teachers who are so anxious to win your favor are not doing it for your good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay more attention to them. The false teachers claimed expert status in both Judaism and Christianity. By appealing to the believers to do what was right, they drew a large following. But Paul called them out on their nonsense. He said their motives were purely selfish. Oftentimes, it's challenging to determine false teachers because they appear as respectable and persuasive. When in reality, they're nothing more than wolves in sheep's clothing. All teachers must have their curriculum compared with the word of God. 
And false teachers are not willing to give their lives for the good news. So Paul was angry that many false teachers had impressed and deceived the Corinthians. Paul had to reestablish his credibility among the people by recounting his trials that he had endured during his time of service for God. And we know that Paul's trials were not over as this was only his third missionary journey. He would still face more trials and humiliations for the sake of Jesus. Paul was sacrificing himself for the good news, something you would never see a false teacher do. We too are not immune from trials and sacrifice for the kingdom of Christ. They help to build our character. They give us opportunity to demonstrate who we place our faith in. And all of this demonstrates our ability to further serve the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 29, Paul recounts his many trials. They say they serve Christ. I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in jail more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jews gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled many weary miles. I have faced danger from flooded rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the stormy seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be Christians, but are not. I have lived with weariness and pain and sleepless nights. Often I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. Often I've shivered with cold, without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of how the churches are getting along. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray? And I do not burn with anger. This was quite a recap of a tumultuous adventure Paul had been on for Christ. He didn't even mention his conversion on the Damascus Road. Not only did Paul face challenges, he tells us that he was concerned about the young churches, often worried that they were staying true to God's word and free from false teachers who filled the church with inner strife. False teachers are not connected to Christ. God's word must always be our guide, not the opinions of other people. Paul warned the Colossians of this very thing, as many had bought into the teachings that they were various levels of angels. They taught that people had to worship angels in order to reach God. This is completely unscriptural. The Bible teaches that angels are a creation of God and they are his servants. Additionally, we're forbidden to worship them. Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 2, verse 19, but they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For we are joined together in his body by his strong sinews, and we grow only as we get our nourishment and strength from God. False teachers embroiled the church in irrelevant disputes. 
And next, we find Paul writing to his young protege, Timothy. Once again, Paul was warning about the prevalence of false teachers. Listen to what he said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those who are teaching wrong doctrine. Don't let people waste time in endless speculation over myths and spiritual pedigrees, for these things only cause arguments. They don't help people live a life of faith in God. Paul was telling Timothy that the false teachers were more concerned about their own interest rather than those of Christ. These teachers embroiled the church in endless and irrelevant questions and controversies that took precious time away from the study of the word. We are well advised to stay away from pointless speculation pertaining to theological arguments. These debates appear to be harmless at first, but they have a way of sidetracking us away from what is really important, and that is the good news of Jesus. We will be able to discern false teachers by their spiritual curiosity and desire to gain power and prestige for themselves. We can contrast this observation with that of a genuine Christian teacher who's motivated by a sincere faith coupled with a desire to always do what is right by God's people. It may be tempting to wow others with our great knowledge, but if it's based upon falsehood, it's empty. Paul offers more instruction to Timothy concerning false teachers in the end times. And it's important to note the end times began with Jesus's resurrection and will continue throughout until his return when he will set up his kingdom and judge all of humanity. There were Greek members inside the church who were teaching that the body was evil and that only the soul mattered. These people refused to believe that God was good because his very contact with the physical world would have soiled him. Oddly, these Greek philosophers honored Jesus, yet they could not believe he was truly human. Paul knew he had to nip these lies in the bud before they took root. Any teacher whose words do not match that of the Bible is considered a false teacher. Following Paul's advice to Timothy, we too need to guard against teachings that cause believers to dilute or reject any aspect of faith. These teachings can be direct or very subtle. And Paul said that false teachers were devil-inspired. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from what we believe. They will follow lying spirits and teachings that come from demons. These teachers are hypocrites and liars. They pretend to be religious, but their consciences are dead. Knowing what we know now about Satan, he deceives people by offering a clever imitation of the real thing. The false teachers gave people stringent rules to follow. This gave them the appearance of self-discipline and righteousness. While they observed strict discipline for their bodies, this didn't remove sin. 
We mustn't be overly impressed with the teacher's credentials or their style. We must focus in on the content of the message and weigh it against the evidence of Jesus. False teachers held a false view of Christ. At the heart of false teachings is an incorrect view of who Christ was and is. In Timothy's day, many asserted that Jesus was divine, but not human, God, but not man. These days, we often hear that Jesus was human, but not divine, man, but not God. Either view destroys the good news that Jesus has taken our sins on himself and has reconciled us to God. In this very verse, Paul firmly states that Jesus is fully man and fully God. This is an important doctrine for all believers to take to heart. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Never forget that Jesus Christ was a man born into King David's family and that he was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. We cannot shape the doctrines of Scripture to match our opinions. If we do, we risk placing ourselves above God. Instead, our beliefs should be consistent with God's Word. For example, false teachers were denying the physical resurrection of the body. They believed that when a person became a Christian, they were spiritually reborn. This for them was symbolic and spiritual only, but Paul clearly taught believers will be resurrected after they die and that their bodies as well as their souls will live eternally with Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 18, Paul had this to say, They have left the path of truth, preaching the lie that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred, and they have undermined the faith of some. So you see, there's hypocritical actions at the Lord's Supper as well. We're going to end today with a stern warning against false teachers from Peter. Listen to what he had to say in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They revel in deceitfulness while they feast with you. They commit adultery with their eyes and their lust is never satisfied. They make a game of luring unstable people into sin. They train themselves to be greedy. They are doomed and cursed. This feast that Peter was referring to was part of the Lord's Supper celebration. The feast was a full meal that ended with communion. The false teachers were openly sinning. They attended a sacred feast along with other church members that was designed around love and unity. At the same time, they were backstabbing people by gossiping and slandering anyone who did not agree with them. Paul had told the Corinthians at their communion service, if anyone eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily, that person is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. These men were guilty of more than false teaching and promoting evil pleasure. They were guilty of leading others away from God's Son, Jesus. 
So friends, stay tuned tomorrow as we explore false teachers' views about the body, their refusal to take sin seriously, their unbelief that they were sinning, and some even claimed a secret knowledge beyond others. So now if you have not been spiritually reborn, Jesus made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven, a person must confess belief in God's son, Jesus, professing with their mouth. Listen to what the apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. Our sin was placed onto Jesus at his crucifixion. His righteousness is given to us at our conversion. We can never repay this extraordinary and extravagant gift of kindness back to Jesus. However, we can show him gratitude by growing in our relationship with him. We can make efforts to obey him, deepening that relationship daily. So today, friends, if this is you, I challenge you to take a bold step of courage and openly confess after me. And I, the reason I'm giving you this challenge is because truth is truth. If I'm wrong, you have lost nothing. But if I am right, and I know that I am right, then you have everything to gain, everything throughout eternity. So simply say after me, Father God, I'm repenting of sin, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking. Jesus, come into my heart. I confess your shed blood washed away my sin at the cross at Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed this prayer of saving salvation, I believe, and more importantly, Jesus says you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you through the Holy Spirit. And you may want to consider joining a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other like-minded believers who will build up and help edify your faith in Jesus. Now allow me to be the first to congratulate you on making the most important decision of your life. Congratulations and God bless you. Friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk airs on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. So tune in along with your kids for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, spiritual warfare, how to be joyful, what love in action looks like, biblical trust, and many more topics. So I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on an adventure of all things Jesus. Please join me, and if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, ensuring you'll get the latest releases when they become available. And friends, much of today's podcast referenced my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or compelling, you can pick up a copy from my website, pampastorcopywriting.com or at Amazon, Barnes and Noble or Dorrance.com. And importantly, if you're unable to afford a copy, 
write to me and I will find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. It's full of God's word and it's waiting for you to read it. Until next time, remember you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless you.